Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening Colour in partnership with Mishkondorea, named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017. See Jam Blues from Oscar Peterson. Lovely way to start the programme. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we put someone who's shaping the world of business and we call them business shapers. My business shapers, I'm very pleased to say, is Chris McCulloch. He's the CEO and co-founder of RotorGeek. Not only do they schedule time accordingly in your business for your people, but they also help you predict and manage demand. How clever is that? You're going to be hearing all about this very very natty business um, from my friend here, Chris, a doctor to boot as well. In addition to hearing from Chris, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Michigan Dorea some words of advice for your business. And then we've got the music, and I promise you it's going to be fantastic today. Sarah McKenzie is in there, Madeline Peru is in there too, and so is this from The Three Sounds. That was the three sounds with their take on making whoopee. Chris McCulloch is my business shaper today, as I said earlier, and he's the CEO and co-founder of RotorGeek. And it's a clever business because not only does it help you schedule the people that work for you, but it also, apparently, Chris, according to, according to my sources, you, basically, um, it also helps you predict and, and manage demand as and when it comes and goes. Yes, that's right. So, Hello, um, as well. Thank you for coming. Yeah, Thank you for joining not me. Not at all. Uh, thanks for having me on the programme. It's, uh, it's lovely to be out. Um, so you're right. What we do for businesses is principally um, allow businesses to create better schedules. And that's great for business because we get the right staff in the right place to serve customers. Um, but it's also great for staff because we empower staff to better manage their work-life balance. But the kind of preamble to that is making sure that we've accurately predicted demand so for many businesses they're not really clear what their future demand is likely to be so we can uh, as a result of our talented team take historic data from the business so for example for retailers that would be footfall or transactions and we can run that through our machine learning algorithms to predict out future demand and then from that we use that demand to then build the most optimum schedule that deliver for customers or clients but also empower staff to manage their work-life balance. And I imagine, um, because this is the world we're in now with machine learning, that it learns. So if things change and you're continuing managing flows of people moving into, I think one of your clients is uh, the perfume shop, and I think you've got some other retailers in there as well. You mentioned um, it's a retail business uh, focus thing too. William Hill is in there. It learns and it changes, so it will adapt, won't it? I imagine it doesn't just spit out the same schedule the next month. Exactly that. And so I suppose if we look at the life that we live now, you know, apps like city mapper if i want to solve a simple problem which is how is the quickest way i'm going to get back to the office once we finish this program i'm going to open my app and it's going to tell me the answer the the kind of the smarts and the ai behind that is hugely complex but actually i don't care i just want my problem solved and it's exactly the same with the algorithms that we have from a business perspective you don't really care 
necessarily how clever it is as long as it always gives you the answer but the algorithms do learn and we can also do really clever things so for example we can pull out factors that influence demand so you can imagine if you're running a theme park whether it's a really big driver of demand and actually restaurants and retail have inverse uh, effects of weather so when it's really sunny um, high st- uh, when it's raining sorry high street stores are quieter shopping mall stores are busier when it's sunny restaurants get quieter so we can pull out all of those factors and uh, create the most optimum prediction of demand to then build great schedules on top of that when you were studying molecular pathology, Chris, did you think that we'd be having a conversation 20 years later or so about this? I mean, how did that happen? That's Briefly, it. and we're going to come back a bit more to that, but just, you've also got a doctorate in genetic control of liver cell death. How did this leap happen into the world of business? What was the pivotal moment for you? Yeah, amazing. Your researchers have done very well. Um, scary. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting. I, I left medical school back in 1998, and my sole focus was on being an amazing doctor. Um, and that was uh, that sort of drove, I guess, how I was at medical school. Uh, so if you speak to any of my medical school colleagues, I worked very hard. But getting into the NHS, it was clear that we could do lots of things better. And globally, I love the NHS, and globally it's very efficient. But actually, when you work in it, there's lots of things that we can do better. And so I, I kind of developed a slightly annoying habit of trying to change things within the NHS, which is never a great place to be. But we did... A number of things and interventions. So we set up a not-for-profit training course for doctors to train them how to do very invasive procedures. And when I graduated, the mantra in medicine was for for technical skills was see one, do one, teach one, which is clearly not great for patients. And I'm glad to say that's very different now. But back in 2005, in the days of easy credit, I had five credit cards and we uh, shipped in a whole load of technical kit from Japan and started running courses. Uh, we trained 3,000 doctors in London and Melbourne over a period of four or five years. And that was great. And I suppose what that taught me was that you can really have an influence on a large number of people that they can go on to treat thousands of patients. And that's great. Um, And so that was, I guess, where I got the bug for trying to to change things in the NHS. And we're going to hold it right there because I want um, that is an important thing to just uh, stay with. I think changing things full stop is probably something you quite like doing. Stay with me for more from my business show. That's Chris McCulloch, CEO and co-founder of Rotogeek. Time for some more music. This is Madeline Peru with Hello Babe. to call you up Hello baby I'm feeling up You know I have something to tell you Honey I still want you to know That was Madeline Peru with another gentle piece of music today that's hello babe it's all going rather calmly here on jazz shapers day and chris mcculloch is my calm uh, business shaper and um chris i stopped you at the point where we talked about change and where the doctor was still doctoring you're still you're still in the world of medicine mm-hmm. and obviously you were spotting things and it sounded there were a couple of things i wanted to pick up one is that you saw immediately as you said that small interventions can impact a lot of people and you if you get it right and then the mushroom effect happens that's good there but the second thing is that you had a nose for fixing stuff and I imagine there are at least two types of people in the NHS and any other big organization one you just go I'm gonna put my head down and get on with it and the other ones that look up and like meerkats and say this is not right in the sense of we could do this better mm-hmm. you're obviously in the latter camp um, just tell me how you got to the, the point where you said I'm now going to stop 
being a doctor, which is, imagine, quite a big deal for someone who's wanted to be and in, in, uh, help people in that way, and when you thought, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Yeah, it's a good question. So it was it was a series of, in my head, quite small and sensible steps that have kind of taken me out of medicine. And I always love medicine. I still do. And it, it was quite a difficult decision to leave. But um, back in 2009, the three co-founders of Road Geek, Roy Pounder, who's a retired professor of medicine, Nick Mann, who's our CTO, we got together to solve this particular problem for scheduling in the NHS. Broadly, we ran it for four years as a project, um, and we kind of got some traction, but we got a lot of inbound in- inquiries from industry, and in 2013, we recoded the entire thing, focused on on business. And this time, I was still working full-time as a doctor. Nick, our CTO, was a full-time developer. And so, I guess as we started to get increasing interest, we I sort of made moves and sort of, I suppose, aligned my thinking that at some point I might leave. Um, and this was, again, an ongoing conversation that I had to have with my wife because uh, it's really important to have family support and backing when you're doing this sort of thing. Um, and I suppose the really big moment was in 2014 when we uh, were lucky enough to get a place on the Wayra Acceleration Programme, which is uh, a Telefonica-backed accelerator. And that was really the decision point at which um, I had to decide, are we going to go full-time into Road to Geek or do I continue in medicine? Um, and that was really the critical point. Slightly difficult conversation with my very tolerant wife mm. uh, to, um, who kind of agreed that she'd support me in giving up my career of medicine for 16 years. Um, but really, it, it, it was just a, a small step because in my mind, we'd step out of medicine. There's always the option to go back. But actually, if we could get to a certain point of growth, then it would probably make sense to leave for good. And fortunately for us, that's where we got to. But kind of sad for me in medicine. Stay with me to find out more about how Chris McCulloch and his co-founders have taken the Rotogeek business on and it's grown significantly in the last 24 months or so. Latest travel in a couple of minutes and before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. Hi, I'm Richard Leadham, Head of Insurance Litigation at Mishkondorea. We have clients who come to us who have claims against insurance companies and often they face a problem themselves which is why they need to claim and they're very concerned about the cost of bringing that claim and what I say to them is don't worry about the cost of it there's a concept out there called litigation funding where funders will come in um, if you've got a good claim will back your claim invest in it and yes they want a cut of what you recover but in return they cover the costs of your litigation so you don't have to worry about something which is a real worry to a lot of clients. There's a pretty sophisticated market out there of funders who I've worked with over the years. They access private money, university funds, property funds, and hedge funds and the rest of it. And litigation is seen as quite a good investment to make at a time when investment returns generally for capital are really low, whereas a a funder can get 25 30% back from a piece of litigation. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday. I'm very lucky because I get to meet someone who's doing something interesting, who's changing the world in their own way and who's shaping 
the world of business itself. If you've missed any of the previous, and there's over 250 of them now, iTunes is a good destination for you, British Airways, if you happen to be travelling in the near future, or cityam.com. All of those places will provide you um, ample entertainment and insight, I hope. Chris McCulloch is providing me the ample entertainment insight right now, right here on uh, Jazz Shapers, and we've been talking about how you transitioned, and I like what you said, it's step-by-step, how you transitioned from being a doctor into the world of business via an accelerator which of course if we were having this conversation 10 years ago people would say so what's an accelerator and i think that's in the business world now it's 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 a thing and people yep. understand it in those once you'd made the leap or the step and you were you were doing it were there in the early days moments when you thought i think i've done the wrong thing uh, good question too no i never had never had doubts about doing the wrong thing and i think always in my mind we're just we're always trying and iterating and testing things and um having stepped out of medicine i think there was there was definitely a period where i felt like an imposter so moving from a, a world where finance is not a thing so if you come into a and e and you need something you will get it and if you don't need it you won't get it and it's lovely to to work and operate in an environment where finance doesn't drive your decisions um, I think moving into a world where we were having to pitch and write business cases and business models, it was a really interesting challenge. And there was definitely a 12-month period where sort of had this self-doubt um, and still have it to some extent. I think that's a very a sort of healthy, keep, keeps you grounded. And I, and I quite like that. So I suppose that was the, the predominant, I suppose, feeling in 12 months, but never that we shouldn't have done it. And I think always this idea that if you're not sure, go and try it. And then if it doesn't work, you know that it never worked. What I didn't want to do was look back on that opportunity that we had with Telephonic and Waver and think that could have been something. And in terms of when you did get a bit stuck and you had a, had a capability gap, were you? did you always find the right people, whether it was writing the business plan or whether, whether it was running the numbers or whatever? Or were there moments when you went, we'll just bootstrap it ourselves? So a little bit of both. I think there's there's lots of skills. I think lots of people have skills and they don't, I guess they don't look at themselves and know that they've got it within them. And I think that's true of lots of people, but particularly lucky to be trained in medicine because you're challenged in all sorts of different ways and particularly in emergency medicine where you're having to make very fast, critical decisions with incomplete information. And that's not dissimilar to running a business. Um, Google is amazing for finding lots of basic facts so that you can go into any type of meeting being vaguely prepared. But we're also lucky to have lots of um, advisors and people close to the business who know lots of people. And that was really part of the the value of the waiver program, which is valuable in many ways. But one of those ways is the network of people they had. So even to this day, we've been lucky not to struggle to find team members or advisors. Stay with me for more from Chris McCulloch, my business shape. But time for some more music. This is Sarah McKenzie with One Jealous Moon. That was one jealous moon from Sarah McKenzie. I've been talking to Chris McCulloch and I have um, some more time to talk to you, which is good because there's lots I want to ask you. 
you obviously weren't motivated by money when you went into the medical profession. People generally don't do it for that. They do it from, you know, people I've spoken to that, that become doctors have pretty clear reasons once you get under the, the flannel of why they say they've done it. There's often a really good, deep-seated and well-meaning reason. Are you motivated by money now? Do you think about it in a different way to when you just happen to be taking a salary as a doctor? Um, I am totally not motivated by money to the uh, extent that it drives my wife crazy that she'll send me shopping and I won't know how much it, it costs. Um, so I think it's it's not at all a motivator for me. I think the, the big motivator and what I really value about our team is that the team are motivated by the impact that we can have on lots of people's lives. And so while staff scheduling seems inherently dull, and in many ways it is, the it's really important because if we can if we can improve people's work-life balance, that's amazing, and we impact on their lives, and that truly is what motivates me and the team. I think we sort of have a, have a healthy respect for finance, and you need to when you run a business. So finance, in my mind, and profit is is the essential element that we need to keep our business healthy. But what drives us is the effect that we can have on people and businesses. Um, recently, uh, the Taylor report came out on the gig economy, and I think some of those findings were, are, are very interesting, not just the findings, but the recommendations. How does that play into the kind of thing you're doing? Because I imagine there's a pretty close connection between people that are part-time working in a shop but choose to just work the hours they want to work. And has it made you alter the way you think about what you're doing in, in any way, shape or form? So the Taylor report really hasn't altered what we're thinking, but it's nice to see sort of government and legislation trying to catch up. And I think what we're seeing across industry and really where our thinking was seven, eight years ago was that actually the way people work doesn't kind of fit with the needs of customers or clients in whatever industry you're in. And often there's a desire for people to work much more flexibly. And, and if you look at the people that work in emergency medicine, they're invariably ridiculously talented, love working hard, but also like working in a slightly erratic way. And therefore, they are very interesting people. And there are lots of those individuals throughout the economy. So I love speaking to Uber drivers because they're invariably driving Uber and doing something else. And that might be uh, caring for family members. It might just be having a better work-life balance or studying or running a business on the side. And I think more and more, that's the sort of life people want to lead. And this, you know, our sort of grandparents' generation, who my grandfather worked in a shipyard for all of his life and never lived anywhere else but the, the town in which he was born. And that just isn't reflective of the way that people want to live and work today. So I think what we're seeing is that across industries, staff want to work in different ways, and now employers are embracing that. And I think what the Taylor Report shows is that government and legislation is trying to catch up. Stay with me for a final chat with Chris McCulloch. Plus, we'll be playing a track from the one and only Herbie Hancock, and that's after the latest Traffic and Travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
That was Herbie Hancock with Cantaloupe Island. I've got Chris McCulloch here just for a few more minutes, and he's the CEO and co-founder, you hadn't heard earlier, of Rotogeeks, a really interesting and clever business, which really is, I think, really is changing or helping people that want to manage their life in a different way. So as you said, your grandfather or my grandfather would have done uh, in terms of uh, their relationship with work. It strikes me, Chris, just listening to you, that you are a combination of precision. When you talk, it's like, it's like watching a doctor saying, OK, let me just explain. You've got the map, you start drawing. So there's precision juxtaposed with experimentation. And I find that fascinating. Do you think about the way you go about your business like that? Are you in in your team? Do they go, watch out, he's going deep, and then watch out, he's going to have a crazy idea? I mean, which of the two forces do you think you live by most? That's really interesting. Maybe you should or shouldn't speak to the team. Um, the I suppose being detailed focus is really important for us. So we are a small business, currently 26 people, and we work with organisations with 14,000 staff and more. And so a part of building that credibility is we have to be ridiculously detailed focused. And if we say we are going to deliver something, we will deliver it. But we're also really honest about where we can't. Um, but, but I do like the high-level view and... Um, and a sort of, in some ways, because we've built such a good team who are very detailed focused, sort of frees me up to be a, a bit more high level and experimental, but also very happy to be told um, to get back in line and the team do that to me, which is good. And if, if it's true that, as your wife said of you, when you go shopping, you don't know how much it costs, do they keep you away from the money, your team? Um, I do, have they, a... do they keep you away from margins <laughs> and, kind of, and, and revenue growth? Because it sounds like you're driven by actually the, the core of the product. Yeah, that's true. And I think we've... So, A, I've got a very good financial director. That's um, lucky. Which is critical. For all of you. It's yes, like, of like a, a having a yeah someone very good at home to keep me in line. Mm -hmm. But um, but that sort of correlates with being very detailed focused. So, um, yes, we have to be all over the numbers and whether those numbers are um, revenue and expenditure and financial forecasts and projections. So being detailed focus at work is important where's this going to go i mean for you it doesn't sound like as you said you're not motivated by the money so you're not looking for the rainy or the rosy day in a few years or maybe you are and you, you won't tell me that's fine but is this a is this a play to be bought is this a we're just going to see where we go and we'll keep on going have you got have you got that clarity yet or is it not important no the the clarity and the vision is really important and i think there's a there's a lot of bravado in startup world so you'll get a lot of young founders together with an idea and say they're going to change the world and very few of those make it so i think we're very keen to be data driven and evidence based and judged on what we do so we're always quite pragmatic when we forecast the future um in terms of where we're going and valuations, that's really important to investors and we have investors and therefore at the point that we take investment what we're saying to um, our investors who often are investing their children's inheritance. So we have to hand on heart say, we can de deliver a return for you. And that's an important part of running a business. So we're clear about where we're going and what those forecasts are. The short term is really dominating that workforce space that we play. And we're, we're really doing some quite exciting work there, getting some good traction and taking business off very big uh, there are very big competitors in that workforce space and that's kind of interesting that we're getting to that stage already um, but the future really is about how we look slightly broader than the workforce space and we look at how we can impact people's lives for the better across industries good luck 
with all of that. It's been really a pleasure talking to you. Fascinating watching a, a doctor who's transitioned into the world of uh, to business. But as I said, that precision and that, that clarity about what you need to do and the analysis of the problem doesn't seem to have left you, which is a good thing. Um, just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So my song choice is Experiment by Kevin Klein, And really it's, it's a song that resonates a lot and I love listening to it when I have those moments of doubt when I think is this the right thing uh, I listen to this song and it just reminds me to take those those kind of those chances in life and experiment and if it doesn't work out you've learned something brilliant here it is just for you thank you before you leave these portals to meet less fortunate mortals There's just one final message I would give to you. You all have learned reliance on the sacred teachings of science. That was Kevin Klein with Experiment, the song choice of my business shaper today, Chris McCulloch. The precision of the doctor now brought to life in a business, and boy, did we feel just how detail-oriented he is. But at the same time, that juxtaposition with the experimental side of Chris and the, the ability to see what might be in the future and the harnessing of data to make all of this work, it's at the centre of what is making him and the business succeed. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us. Coming up next here on Jazz FM, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. Named Law Firm of the Year at the Legal Business Awards and the Lawyer Awards 2017.